This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. You are going to hear from the face of the franchise, the great Ray Fossey. We're also going to have Chris Russo, who is the top sports talk guy maybe of all time, the Hall of Famer now, his own channel on Sirius XM, and he is the host of High Heat on the MLB Network. Our buddy Mark Gubaza will check in. We'll check in with the Angels and get his opinion on what's going on with the Astros. And then Kerry Crowley, who covers the Giants for the San Jose Mercury News, but also covers all baseball. He'll join us from down in. He's already in Arizona, so we'll check in with Kerry Crowley. But first, this guy is an absolute legend. He is in the Radio Hall of Fame, and it's always a treat to have him on. It's the Mad Dog, Chris Russo, one of the great radio personalities of all time. Here is the Mad Dog. He is a sports radio icon. He is a radio Hall of Famer, has his own channel on Sirius XM, and of course, High Heat on MLB Network. He's one of the greats of all time. Chris Russo is here. Mad Dog, how are you? Uh, good afternoon. Great to be aboard. Getting ready for the baseball season. How are things going today, okay? It's going good, and since we last saw you down in San Diego, been a lot of craziness in our game. Yeah, sure has. With the Astros situation, uh, you know, bets getting traded, uh, there has been a lot of, you know, a, a lot going on in the sport. Um, you know, now maybe a new playoff format, too, so... Uh, there's been a lot, uh, you know, in the last three or four months, the Astros situation bears watching. The Red Sox investigation probably coming to a close. Astros are going to have a little chip on their shoulder. Let's see how they handle that. Media for them in the next two days. Let's see how they handle that. Uh, I am, you know, uh, there are things I don't like about it, but I mean, I certainly can't kill the new format if they do it in two years for the baseball. Uh, the bets trade, I understand why Boston did it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryant was traded before opening day either. So, you know, baseball has had a very busy winter. They had the, the three big signings right out of the gate. Uh, and done by the winter meetings in Rendon, Strasburg, and Cole. Uh, then they had the Astro thing in mid-January. Then they had the huge trade with Betts. Now they got this with the commissioner's office with the playoff format. They've had a very busy offseason. There's no question about it. And change is always met with opposition. And I just want to say thank you for your monologue yesterday on high heat. Attendance is down for 12 straight years. What business in the United States of America would be down 12 straight years and not be looking around going, boys, we need to change some things? 100%. And listen, there are things I don't love. I mean, I don't like uh, 14 of 30 teams making the playoffs after playing for six months. 
Uh, I don't love the idea that an 82-80 and 80 team, two wins, and they can knock off a big-time team in a first-round playoff series. But uh, there's so much to like. Uh, you know, more postseason baseball, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you give teams more of an opportunity in the middle of the season not to tank. The Red Sox would not have made this trade if they felt that 85 wins could give them a chance to win a championship. They probably wouldn't have done that. And with the new format with the two extra teams in both leagues, 85 wins would put you in the postseason normally. So I think that, uh, you know, listen, uh, I think there's a lot to like about it. I like the six games in a one day. I don't even mind the TV thing. On Sunday, picking an opponent, I think it adds a little juice to it. It adds a little character, something a little different. They're looking, obviously, for the NCAA tournament feel. That's where Tony Petiti's, uh, you know, comes from. Remember, he did CBS forever, and Tony was really in charge of that NCAA tournament and the games and the switching, and, and he had, you know, that's where these ideas come from in a large degree. And I think, listen, I, I think it's probably going to happen, too. I think that the, I think the Player Association will agree. I think the networks will buy. Why? Um, once this uh, contracts, uh, you know, roll out and they conclude with the uh, with TNT and ESPN after 2021. So I think very much here you're going to see this, uh, you know, in two or three years down the road. And I don't really have a. I don't like 14 to 30 teams. So I mean, I, I don't love that. But you know, I'm going to have to deal with it if uh, I want to make sure that just the best teams advance to the playoffs. I go back to baseball pre-1969. So I'll have to live with it. I got a little taste of what's going to happen to the Astros this weekend down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T because Verlander was playing in it, and so was Jim Crane. At one point, Jim Crane walked off a sports radio interview when asked oh, about really? uh, when asked about an asterisk and, and that slogan about the uh, Astros with the asterisks. And then I got to follow Verlander for two holes, and I can't tell you how many times people yelled out "cheater." This is at Pebble Beach. This isn't oh, in New really? York. This, this is, is used. This is used to me. What sports talk program? What does Crane go on a radio show for? And think he's not going to be asked about the Astros? Why would he go on a show to begin with? For crying out loud. I, and to think that if you're getting heckled at Pebble Beach, what do you think it's going to be like in New York and Boston, here in Oakland, down in Anaheim? These guys, they have no idea the firestorm they're about to walk into. How did Verlander hire, uh, how did he handle the booing? Uh, the cheating he, comments. He just kept swinging and didn't look at the crowd at all. Really? Wow. Interesting. Well, listen, Bay Area, the A's fans, there's, you know, there are a lot of Oakland fans there. Uh, I guess I'm assuming that you know that has a little something to do with the intensity level, uh, but yeah, and I didn't. I knew Verlander played. I didn't know Crane did, but yeah, this is a major problem, uh, and the Astros are going to have to deal with this. Uh, you know, they play the Yankees late in September, so they don't have to deal with it right away with the Yanks. But they will have to deal with this here down the road, and it's going to probably get to a point where they're going to get very annoyed by it, and it could be an issue. So uh, I do think that Dusty's the right guy to soothe the waters. I do think that the Astros, to a large degree, will be in a situation uh, where they have a little chip on their shoulder. You know, you think we cheated, and that's why we won, to go out there and play really well. I can see that, too, to a degree, where they, uh, you know, they're, they're angry every night, and, and you never catch them flat. I think that's in play, but I do think this is going to trail them. So we'll see how a young team responds to that, 100%. Yeah, their first two series, it's Anaheim on the road and then up here in Oakland, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the drama in Boston. I mean, you've been covering this a long time. You're such a big baseball fan. 
I mean, how rare is it to trade a big market team that has a ton of money to trade one of the best players, arguably top five, arguably number two to Mike Trout, to trade him in his prime? Yeah, I think they did it because I don't think Mookie, I don't think it has anything to do with the luxury tax per se. I think Mookie Betts did not want to play in Boston. He doesn't want you to know that. I think Mookie Betts wants to leave and let the Boston fans think that uh, he had no intention of, uh, you know, of leaving the city after he, uh, uh, his contract was up. But the Red Sox offered him $300 million. Uh, if a player really wanted to play in Boston and loved it where he was, and two years ago the Red Sox, or a year and a half ago, they offered him $300 million, uh, the, 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 the response is not, well, give me 420 for 12 and I'll think about it. The response when somebody offers you $300 million, which is where Machado ended up signing shortly thereafter and traveled more than that, and Harper. Their response is, you know what? That's a tremendous offer. We can probably work around that. Let's negotiate. That's the response. And Betts' response was, well, give me 420 and I'll think about it. That tells me, plus the fact with all these rumors that were percolating here in the last three months, he knew he was on the block. If he really wanted to stay in Boston, he would have gone to management, gotten a message across that he didn't want to go anywhere and make a deal with me. And he did not do that. So I think Betts is smart. He's going to put all the blame on the, and the Red Sox faithful is going to put all the blame on the Red Sox management. And Betts is going to stay out of the way and inform through Jim Rice that he never wanted to leave. I don't buy it. I think Betts did not want to have – had no intention of signing long-term with the Red Sox. And if you go with that idea and you think I'm right, well, then what were the Red Sox supposed to do? You can't let them walk for a fifth-round pick. So you had to trade them. So, I mean, again, you could have played it out, uh, played out the season, thought about July maybe, make a trade then. But the Red Sox are not winning the American League East anytime soon anyway. So I think the Red Sox did what that franchise had to do. I really do. Let's end on this. The National League is going to be really competitive. The American League, there's a lot of underbelly there. We know the issues with the Astros. We know the issues with the Red Sox. You start looking at Yankees, Twins, Rays, A's. For our A's listeners, what kind of shot do you give the Athletics this year to win the American League? Uh, Well, to win the American League, I don't give them much of a shot. They're not beating the Yankees in a short series. Uh, the way it stands right now, the Yankees are a better team. So uh, I think the A's, though, could win the division. Uh, they have the younger pitching. Uh, they're due uh, to get out of that wild card round. Uh, the A's are better over 162 than they are in a short series because they don't have a lot of dominating players. And sometimes the dominating player, uh, you know, wins the, uh, you know, Rendon was dominating. Strasburg was dominating. Year before that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of that Red Sox offense was dominating. You know, dominating players. Verlander dominating against the Yankees in 17. They don't have a lot of dominating in what I would call lights-out Hall of Famers who can get on a roll and just dominate a short series for a team, win two games, put the team on its back offensively. The A's don't have that. And I think that's what's hurt the A's in the postseason. Uh, In the three games they have lost recently, game to Kansas City with the big lead, Yankees, of course, they got bombed, and of course last year with uh, Tampa, same thing. They don't have the dominating uh, player, but so that means they got to get out of that one game shootout and that means they'd have to win a division they're very good over 162 and over 162 with the Astros situation of course now no coal I don't see why they can't be very competitive and they win 95 games every year if they don't get off to a bad start and put themselves in a 12 game hole first two and a half months 
which is what they always seem to do. If they don't do that and keep their heads above water and keep the Astros within sight, they can win the American League West. I don't think they're beating the Yankees in a short series, but they can certainly win the division and get themselves in a divisional best of five. Certainly do that. You know how much respect we have for you and your career. We love watching you on television and listen to you on Sirius XM. Be well, and we always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Well done. Appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely love having that guy on. He is such a good guy. Great at what he does, but he's really good people, and we always appreciate having a Radio Hall of Famer on our program. Next, as you know, we call him the face of the franchise, two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, and two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, the great Ray Fossey. <laughs> Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. How we doing, Ray? Wonderful, my friend. How you doing, Tony? That is I'm just amazed by that open. I mean, Cody did a great job writing it, and, of course, Alex with the recording, and here you and I are on up day, and it's just a great day because the weather is so good, it's so great, and baseball is right around the corner. It's a great time of the year, Tony, as you know that. Are you back in the Valley of the Sun? I'm getting ready to head back probably the next couple of days. So I am still in the Bay Area enjoying this fine weather, getting ready to go down there. I, I usually – show up when everybody shows up uh the full workout pitchers and catchers tony i've been to a lot of spring trainings and you know there's just a lot it, it's very short for pitchers and catchers because they get to throwing in but once everybody gets there and of course the game starts that's when it all begins so uh, i'm getting ready i've been doing a lot of work so many things going on in baseball that we continue to talk about and it's going to continue to be talked about for a long time and especially now as pitchers and catchers and players report to spring training. And you know what I'm talking about because it's already happening around baseball with some of the uh, conversations amongst players uh, in the last couple of years on certain teams and the writers getting the information. And, of course, that's really (laughs) – that's what baseball seems to be about right now. So it would be great when the games start, and uh, especially with the season, get through the spring training and get the team ready to go and and start in uh, late March. It will be a lot of fun. I want to throw a scenario at you, and I want your opinion on this. Okay. All right. So the season ends, and we have this new playoff (laughs) format. So there's going to be three teams in the National League, and there's going to be three teams in the American League, and it's basically they're going to be picked on where they got to go play in the playoffs. Can you just imagine – these six teams, when their season's done, they got to get in the bus, they got to go to the plane, and they got to sit there on the tarmac, and there's this TV show that everybody's watching around the country, and they're watching the top teams pick them. So let's say this year the New York Yankees would add the first pick. So on the tarmac in a plane is going to be the Rays, the Indians, and the Red Sox. And the Yankees, Brian Cashman will get up there and say, We want to play Cleveland. We would have cameras inside Cleveland's airplane, and when Cleveland finds out, we get the reaction of the players when the Yankees pick them. Then all of a sudden, 
It's wheels up, and they're heading to New York. This whole thing for me, Ray, I know you may love it, you may hate it, but from a show standpoint, there's so many different things that would make this an unbelievable show and entertainment. My question to you, Tony, is why? Because I understand what you're saying in the entertainment, but you know who has to be probably uh, maybe restructure the contracts would be the director of team travels. How about Mickey Morbido? With the scenarios that you just presented, the traveling secretary is the one that has to have the hotels. He has to have the plane ready to go. He has to have all these things ready to take off. But, I mean, granted, it's entertainment. But, Tony, this great game of baseball has been around for a long, long time. And I know a lot of changes are taking place, and maybe some for the good. But I think there comes to a point now that the rules just came out for the new season. I'm sure you saw them with Major League Baseball and the three batter minimum. Uh, the, the challenges go from 30 to 20 seconds now. Uh, a lot of different things happening. The 26th man, 28 players in, po- in uh, September. So a lot of those things are changing the game already. But now you expand it even more to this. Let me throw something at you, Tony. I spoke with someone who's been in baseball forever uh, this morning. And he brought up the scenario of, let's say, a particular team is guaranteed pretty much going to postseason. How would their attendance be affected? Because let's say a fan says, my team is going to postseason. Why should I buy tickets to the regular season when I can save my money for the postseason and buy seats for the postseason because my team is going to be there? So there's a lot of things that can go into this, Tony, that, yeah, on the surface, it looks like it's great and great entertainment. But, man, there's a lot of things that are going, going, going to go on, I think, during the season that maybe will will go against us. Now, let me throw something Wait, wait, hold on. Can, can I respond uh, to that real quick? Let me respond to that. Sure. Whoever told you yeah. that is 100% wrong. Because we as human beings, we like, par- we like being a part of the big show. When, when teams are doing well, we want to be a part of it. We want It's the it factor. We want to be there when something special happens. So even these teams, we've traditionally seen it, if you're a team that's blowing people away like the Astros or the Dodgers last year, people were still there in September loving it because you want to be a part of it. So whoever told you that, I'm not buying it. Well, no, I, I, and I agree with you on that, on that basis of what you're just saying. There are fans, and I'm sure – there are going to be a lot of fans that say, I'm going to watch my team play. And we're going to see that with the Oakland A's fans because they're going to enjoy this team starting from day one in late March all the way to the end of the season. And they're going to enjoy that. And maybe some of those people can't afford to, to pay the price of the tickets in postseason. But, Tony, I think another thing that, that happens, let's say you mentioned the three top teams. You have the division leaders, those three in each league, the American and National League. So you have the six teams. But if you start going down, already there are two wild cards in each, each league. That makes 10 teams total out of 30. Now you expand that, you could, you could feasibly have a team with the seventh best record or maybe the 14th best, uh, worst record, or best record, I guess you could put it, that could win a world championship. Now, you could say, well, what's wrong with that? I think if you get to, to October, if you're a hot team, you've got a chance to win no matter where you are. And you could be – like I said, number 14, you could be number one. If you get hot, you can run the table and be a world champion. So I, I think there's, uh, there are a lot of things that go into this, Townie. And, you know, th- there are a lot of things that are going to be talked about, just like the attendance, just like with the, the wild card winners and all the records of different people. You know what I think is, too, is going to happen, to your point, that let's say a team that gets down close to the end 
that maybe they say we need to improve our club so we can be one of those 14 teams that go to postseason. So, so there are a lot of factors that go into this, but um, there are going to be positives and negatives. Uh, what you said is very true because I know people want to watch baseball. The, the greatest thing about watching baseball regular season, especially at the Coliseum, uh, when, when Claywood has this field so great, and now that the baseball is going to be the only team played, that's going to be a, a pristine stadium team or, or field all the way through to the end of the season and postseason. So I think that's the beauty of going out and looking and watching a baseball game with that beautiful Coliseum and the environment being there. You want to be a part of it. So, I mean, it's going to be banter back and forth. I just mentioned about one person said to me this morning, and I agree with you that, yes, people are going to watch during the regular season because, Tana, you and I know when we've been to New York, those fans, 50,000-plus, they want to just annihilate the team they're playing. They don't care who they're playing. They want their Yankees to win. Every team should feel that same way about their home team. No matter who they play, you go out to support that team that you're, you're – like, like, for example, the Oakland A's, you support them, and you hope every team that comes in, you're going to beat them badly. So think about being a team that's selected. What kind of chip let's – say, let's say you're on the Indians <laughs> and, and the Yankees yeah. select you. What kind of chip are you going to have on your shoulder heading to New York as the Indians? <laughs> no, there's going to be a lot of chips on shoulders. You're, you're right. And, and, you know, because in reality, you, you start looking probably if you're one of the premier teams, let's say you're throwing out the Yankees, you know, they're probably going to know going down the stretch. They're going to be one of those teams that get to, ch- to select. And they're going to look at a team that maybe doesn't have the pitching, maybe doesn't have a certain offense. And let's not forget, too, that home field advantage, while the A's didn't experience that last uh, October, having the Rays in town because it just didn't work out. But the one part about this whole scenario I like is that the wild card series is three games, the best of three. I think that, to me, is one of the positives, and especially for a team like the Oakland A's that has not had a lot of success, much any success, being a part of that one-game scenario or much less a division in a five-game scenario. So I think there are a lot of changes that could benefit a lot of teams. But I agree with you. If you're a team and you get the cameras in the Cleveland, per se, uh, per se uh, plane, and they say, oh, really? You think we're going to be okay? We'll show you. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. I, I think that's going to be exactly right. And, uh, you know, you, you just hope because the chip on your shoulder can only go so far. You have to have the talent to be able to beat them. And I, I think, uh, but but I agree with you. That that's going to be something that uh, could be very exciting for all of baseball. So Billy Bean came in power, taking over the A's after the '97 season. If we had this playoff format the whole time <laughs> under Billy Bean, the A's would have been in the, been in the playoffs 13 times. That amazing. That's incredible. That is incredible. And, and you know, you just you, you don't like to hear all the the statistics about. You know, the A's haven't done this, haven't done that. You'd like to see them go into postseason in advance like they did in, uh, what, 06 when they swept the Minnesota Twins, unfortunately swept by the Tigers. But, no, I think given that opportunity and, and you know, the more teams, you, what you're really looking at right now, baseball has 10. I, you know football and, and basketball better than I, but there seem to be a lot of teams involved in those postseason berths uh, in those two sports. I don't know about hockey. But I do know that baseball has risen to 10 because the two wild cards at, at one time, it was when the American league played the national world series and you're going home October the 10th versus now playing possibly into November. There are a lot of changes, 
But uh, if that's what excites people, if that's what gets people out to watch baseball, then whatever is necessary, the game has to change. It needs to change and probably will change just because they want the fans to go out in larger numbers to watch their teams play. So the three-pitcher minimum is now a new rule. Like it? Three or batter ca- minimum. Three batter three, minimum. Three batter minimum. Right. P- pitchers right. got to pay three batters. How do you like it? You know, um, I, I said before on our show that uh, Terry Francona, very good manager, uh, very outspoken about he likes to manipulate the bullpen, use lefties and righties. Uh, I'd say, like, if you watch a game, and let's say a starting pitcher on both teams goes at least six, that game typically will fly by pretty quickly. Once the relievers start to come in, all of a sudden it's a snail's pace. It starts to slow down, and you have lefty, righty, righty, lefty, the whole thing coming on. So on that premise that, yes, maybe it can speed up the game a little bit, you'll have less uh, uh, mound visits by the manager to make a pitching change, et cetera. But the thing that I don't like, and I'm sure from the association standpoint, let's not forget the CBA collective bargaining agreement goes through 21, uh, so two more years under the current status but if i were part of that and they had to sign off on it so i'm sure they have players saying hey you cost me a job because in case of ryan bookter he was designated for assignment or at least non-tendered because his numbers against lefties were better than righties so if there was a possibility that he had to face say two righties after one lefty maybe it would not work out uh mark satinsky basically you know a third of an inning or one batter that was it um, those are two names that come to mind but i think there's some pitchers that basically uh, if you're lefty or righty now you're going to have to get both lefties and righties out depending which side you pitch on because you're going to have to face the three unless it's the final out of an inning uh, according to that rule but uh, you know the pace of the game I think the one thing Tony uh, and I heard Scott Emerson doing a, a podcast and I was going to talk to him about this when we get out of spring training because of the paranoia about sign stealing now you're talking about pace of game I think the game will be slowed down considerably because I would be shocked if every team does not use multiple signs, regardless of whether there's runners on base or not. And that's going to create time because let's say a pitcher doesn't like the sign that a catcher gives. He has to go through the multiple signs again. That takes time. So the pace of the game, I think will slow down based on that. Whereas a lot of these other new rules like the three batter minimum and 22nd on a challenge versus 30. I think some of those, will not be as well i don't think that's going to create the, the the lesser pace of game than maybe a catcher and pitcher having to go through multiple signs you know i he you would you would have to be a moron to have electronic <laughs> sign stealing at this point i mean because uh, oh gosh yeah. Y- yeah you're looking at you're you're looking at it from a standpoint where i don't know if aj hinch and Alex Cora and Jeffrey Luno and Carlos Beltran will ever get a job again in Major League Baseball. Like you are That's literally, you're literally risking your career. You're and and if you get caught now after what's happened, we don't know what's going to go on with Boston. But if you get caught, if you get caught like this season, you probably you probably will get the death penalty. But Tony. You know what you're saying is exactly right, but remember what happened in a certain era of baseball where they said the same thing, and it's still being done. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But but I, I think I think 
it's still, regardless of whether the technology, they're not going to allow probably to have anybody in, let's say with Adam Rode, our video coordinator, nobody's going to need to, or can be around him. It's probably going to be so secure. It's unbelievable. And, you know, all those things are going to happen. But I still think that just like with any other thing, some things can happen and change the game, but you're still going to have, I, I still would be shocked if, if I say to Tommy as our director for, for NBC Sports California, I say, Tommy, can you show me the catcher? And I think I'm going to be as shocked as anybody if I see the A's catcher using one sign at any point in a ball game. I just think it's going to be something that's going to be used, and I think there's going to be some problems occur because of that. But uh, I, I think the paranoia of sign stealing is still going to be there, regardless of whether technology is involved or not. And it should never be involved. Technology shouldn't be, just because that is – uh, on the playing field. It's not a level playing field when you use technology like was done from 17 and sounds like even before that in 15 with a certain team. So I, I still think there are a lot of things that need to be changed. Are you surprised as I am that the manager of the Red Sox has not been named because no penalties or nothing has really been said about whether they're going to be penalized for what they supposedly did in 18? Ron Rennick, he was named the interim manager. And up until, what, today or yesterday, there still was not a manager for the Red Sox. But nothing had been done by the commissioner's office with regard to the Red Sox. How surprised are you about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we Manfred made it seem last week that was coming down this week. Nothing's yep. happened today. We got two more days. We'll see. But now, I, I, I can tell you, Ray, over the weekend, I was down at Pebble Beach, and I saw Justin Verlander for two holes. People were yelling cheater. Same thing with Jim Crane, the owner. And now that we've gotten to spring training, the, the questions are starting to come out. And Bob Melvin said, quote, everyone was fed up with it. I kind of had to sit on this, but I knew I could start. I, I kind of let people know because I knew the A's were like the original team to complain to Major League Baseball saying these guys are cheating. We know stuff's going on. And they did this years ago. It's amazing how long it took baseball to finally investigate. But the A's are one of the teams that knew this was going on. I agree 100%, Tony, because I was there when it was going on, and I said a number of times on television, it seems like these hitters know what's coming. And obviously they must have because when you, 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 know, you can tell certain things that a hitter does when he is swinging. And, and let's not forget that when a pitcher delivers a baseball, a hitter has less than one second to determine what the pitch is, whether he's going to swing, the whole thing. So it's, it's so critical. But think about if you're standing at the plate – and you know what's coming. You change everything because you're dead set on that certain pitch that you know is coming, whether it's a location, whether it's the type of pitch. And you can watch hitters. They will tell you, as far as I'm concerned, having been a catcher, I can tell when a hitter is standing there, unless he is just up there with a bat on his shoulder saying, I'm going to take the first pitch no matter what. That rarely, rarely happens. But when you see a hitter not move on a changeup, something's going on. Because the arm speed, the arm slot, everything is the same as a fastball. You gear for a fastball, changeup comes in 10 mile an hour slower, and you have that check swing. You, your body moves forward. If you don't see that, you know something's going on. Or you see guys turn on a fastball inside that just, again, like they know it's coming. Or they take a breaking ball away from them, a nasty breaking ball, righty on righty, and, and line the ball to the opposite field. You know, a lot of those things – it's difficult to hit a baseball, probably the most difficult thing in all of sports, and that is to hit a baseball. 
it's very hard to do because these pitchers are talented. Hitters are great, but it's still a very difficult thing. That's why probably never see another 400 hitter. That's getting four hits out of every 10 at bat. You know, I don't think it'd ever be done again. You're, you're lucky and you're happy to hit 300 plus, but you're still making seven outs because these pitchers are that good. But uh, still back to the fact that if you know something's coming, you know, a pitch is coming, it changes everything. And I've been on both sides and I know it affects, uh, it affects the hitter sometimes to the detriment, just because you look for a pitch, you know, it's coming and you change everything. And that's why Townie on a three Oh pitch, if you have a hitter who's successful three and Oh, because probably 99 out of 100 times it's going to be a fastball and you're going to look for that and hit it and if you have success you're a great 3-0 hitter but that's essentially knowing what's coming even though you don't because it could be maybe instead of a 95 fastball maybe it's a 90 maybe the pitcher just wants to get a, a fastball over for a strike so he takes something off and that can fool a hitter but that's to me comparable a little bit to a hitter who stands the plate and knows what's coming and you know, it's it's going to happen because I can I can envision that every time an Astros hitter makes an out in a visiting park, what are the fans going to say? Hey, you didn't know what was coming. I mean, it's it's got to happen, just like with Verlander and Jim Crane down at Pebble Beach. You know, the same thing. The Astros are going to have to go through a lot, and that's why Dusty Baker, their manager, probably is the best thing that Jim Crane did and the Astros did in hiring Dusty Baker because he can probably control a lot of that, at least be a, a stabilizing force for the, for the Houston Astros, considering what they're going to go through. On the other side, let's not forget what Mike Fires, I think, will be applauded soundly, very loudly in every park the A's go to in 2020, just because people will appreciate the fact of what he did. And I, I still don't buy the fact that what stays in the clubhouse, you know, stays there. Sure, that's true. But if you're traded and there are things going on like what's going on with the Astros, that's the first thing you're going to tell your new team. Hey, be careful because they're doing some certain things and cheating. You're going to help your team. And I, I think, you know, as, as Scott Emerson said, if the Astros really want to keep Mike Fires quiet, they should have kept him. And you, you know, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting season. But Townie, uh, let's get to starting in baseball because it's going to be fun regardless. It's still a great game, and I think that's what we all have to look forward to is a great game of baseball starting uh, very soon. You know, I want you to think back to your guys' broadcast on NBC California because you guys have what, what we call a crowd mic, and you have a microphone that's that's behind home plate. Do you ever recall hearing some banging going on? Because your microphones would pick that up. You know, Tony, I wasn't listening for it. So the answer is no, I didn't hear it because, you know, if, if I had been listening, maybe I would have, but you, you know, if, if, if you're going into something and looking for something, then yes, maybe that can happen. But what I do know that in 2018, when certain things were happening, I do know that the A's changed their signs. And I remember talking to a pitcher and I said before, he said, man, all these difficult signs, you know, I, I've got it. So so the A's at that point at least then knew because they changed the signs. And coincidentally, it was a series in which the A's were close to the Astros, and it's almost like the Astros said, we have to win the first game because we don't want the A's to leave in first place or be even closer. Because remember last year, the A's were the only team that, that won a series in Houston, winning three out of four in the last time they were in town after getting one out with 15 to nothing in the first game. They scored 21 in the second game. So – you know, things are changing. And you have Bob Melvin, a former catcher, knows the importance of trying to 
make signs difficult for the opposing team, but you don't want to make them too difficult that your own pitcher doesn't know. <laughs> and if they're, you know, and I'm serious about that yeah. because, you know, it's it's fans this year. Let's not forget, what is it? Five trips to the mound. That's it. I think five is is now the most you can go to the mound, and that's a an infielder, manager, coach, catcher, anybody that goes to the mound. That's counted as a mound visit. Well, now you have a runner third. And now your catcher is given a sign, multiple signs. You pray that the pitcher knows what you're calling because if he doesn't, you're crossed up, that run's going to score. So I think there's a lot more things that can happen because of just a simple sign-stealing technology that's been going on that's going to change the game a lot. And, you know, it's, it's the old thing about keep it simple, stupid. You almost have to make signs so simple that everybody's going to get them except the opposing team. And Tony, I know that I, I could give you signs right now that you could never tell what pitch I'm calling. And that's just simple signs, you know, and it can be done. I think people are making more out of trying to change it based on even count, odd count, number of outs, number of innings, the whole thing. You know, that creates a lot of thinking by the pitcher. But if, if you simplify the signs, which I, I use a set that I don't think could ever be decoded just because of the different indicator that I used. And, and that's something that can be done if you go to that extreme. And it can be used for every pitcher, not having a different set of signs for each pitcher. But, you know, it's a, it's a great game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You hopefully have more runs than the other team and you win the game. But, man, you're making it. It's, it's become very complicated now to watch everything that's going on. If you were catching Mariano Rivera, would you even put a sign down? <laughs> No, because I could tell the hitter what's coming in. He still couldn't hit it. Cutter, cutter, cutter. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I may have said this, and, and but it, I think Bear's repeating because Jim told me the Hall of Famer, the left-handed hitter, and it was devastating. That cutter from Mariano Rivera in on the hands of a left-handed hitter. And so Tommy would just kind of gradually move back, move back off the plate so that whenever Mariano threw the cutter on the inside part of the plate, he could make it more like it was in the middle of the plate and hit it. But he said Jorge Posada kept watching him, and that's the importance of a catcher, to watch the hitter and especially his feet. What is he doing? Well, as Tommy moved back farther from the plate, Jorge Posada moved with him. So, in essence, what Mariano was doing to Tommy was the same that he did when he's in normal position, but that's, again, part of that. But Rivera, he could tell him what's coming, and you still couldn't hit it. It was just such an unbelievable pitch. And I think the reputation of Mariano Rivera – coming into a game was so great for the Yankees and Rivera that it, it just, it was almost, well, it's over 600 saves. I think it says a lot about the, the, um, the excellence of Mariano Rivera and the only player to go in Cooperstown unanimously. So yeah, great pitch, but kind of, you know, you know, one of the best things that a catcher can do is tell the hitter what's coming because he will never believe you. You think about it. If you're hitting at the plate and I say, Tyler, here comes a fastball. What? What are you telling me that for? And then here comes a fastball. You, you say, well, you were right, but you won't believe it. And the most hitters, I've, I had a hitter one time tell me as pitcher was going through a set of signs, and he kept shaking me off. He said, throw what you want. And the hitter said, oh, no, 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 no. If you don't know what's coming, I don't want to be up here. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can get into a hitter's mind by just saying, hey, here comes a fastball. I had a situation where I told, and we're in Venezuela when they're playing, and, and the hitter went 0 for 4, and I went 0 for 4. We knew what was coming. 
I mean, that, that's, that's what happens. Because, again, if you know what's coming, you have to be disciplined because otherwise you're going to jump out of your shoes saying, okay, here comes a fastball. I'm going to crush it. And you end up popping it up or, or getting on top of it. You get off balance with your swing. And that's why there are some hitters that say, I don't want to know what's coming. I want to just react on a pitch that I may be looking for or a, a location I may be looking for. So while the Astros were accused of utilizing sign stealing by players, it doesn't mean that every one of those offensive players were taking those signs because some would not be able to perform at their best if they knew what was coming. The Pakota projections by baseball prospectus didn't give the A's a whole lot of love. They got the Astros. No, they, didn't. they got the Astros at ninety-eight wins. They have the Angels at eighty-seven, and the A's at eighty-five. But I, I do kind of understand because we had the guy on who who was a big part of it, and it, it's like we know this team way better than other people know this team. But if you really, if you were yes. on the outside looking in, you'd say, okay, uh, you only got five starts out of Mania. You you have no idea what Puck and Lazaro are. Frankie Montas didn't pitch half the year. The only guy that was yeah. in the rotation the whole time was Mike Fires, and Chris Bassett gave you some good starts and then to the bullpen. I think we know how strong the starting staff is, but I can tell from the outside looking in, if you just look at the numbers, you'd go, eh, I'm not so sure. And I, and that's a great point, and I agree with you 100%, because looking outside in, because, you know, I, I believe the A's can win – Maybe not 97. Who knows what it's going to take to win the division? Because if it's a level playing field, maybe it won't take 97. It won't take 107. Who knows? But I agree with you. But what I like about the A starting staff, and especially if they go to Chris Bassett and maybe a six to give a couple of those young pitchers some time off, uh, a day off to get a little bit of extra rest and minimize the innings, or at least control the innings, I think that could be beneficial. To Tony, as we all say at this time of the year, you're hoping for health. And I think if those pitchers, the five-plus Bassett, if those guys are healthy and they can take the ball every fifth day or ever, whatever they decide to do, the A's and Scott Emerson and Bob Melvin, whatever they decide to do, if those guys stay healthy, this is going to be an outstanding rotation. And the bullpen's getting better. Luke Trevino's going to have a, a, a much better year. Liam Hendricks stepped in as a closer. I mean, there's so many positives about this club that it was it, – that's why this is such a great time for the A's to get started because they did nothing – during the offseason because they didn't have to. It was just getting ready with the added year of experience for a lot of the players and getting ready for 2020. But I agree with you. The Angels are going to be good. The Astros, under the circumstances, will still be good. But I think the A's are going to be better. And I think that's why, and we're looking at some, pick the A's to win the division. And that's the goal that the A's have going forward and starting in uh, into March, and that is to win the division and have a guaranteed, regardless of the postseason scenario, but have a guarantee of a first round of at least five games. If you're a catcher, at what point in spring training do you say, oh, my God, i got to catch another bullpen? I mean, there's got to be a point where you've had enough. <laughs> well, remember, when you look at a roster and you see the A's have three catchers on the roster, you look at the non-roster invitees. Those are a lot of catchers. Um, I experienced that, but, you know, Let's think about something, too, along those lines in the regular season because there's been a lot of talk about Sean Murphy and, and maybe having a veteran. Uh, but remember, too, now that the A's have two bullpen catchers, the catcher who is not catching, and let's say he's a veteran, he can sit on the bench and he can go along with, say, Sean Murphy, and they can talk in between innings about pitches that were called, 
uh, about the opposing hitters. That's one of the benefits now of having the bullpen catchers because that extra catcher, backup catcher, does not have to go to the bullpen. And let's say he's a veteran or even just in the case of Sean Murphy and whomever, they can talk between innings along with the pitcher and Scott Emerson. But in spring training, County, my first camp I ever went to, I went to the Cleveland Indians and I warmed up so many pitchers that whenever I got to hit, I couldn't because my legs were shaking so much from catching and squatting down and catching all these pitchers. So from that point forward, my next spring, first thing I got in shape were my legs because everybody wants to hit. And the last thing I wanted to do is warm up so many pitchers that when I got to the plate, I couldn't. And I made sure after that first year, first spring training that I could. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's changed. Um, but, you know, the important thing for, let's say, Sean Murphy is to catch as many pitchers as he can because he needs to familiarize himself. He caught in the spring of last year. He also caught in September. But he has, you know, the more you catch him, the better it's going to be, the more confidence they have in you. And I think going forward in the season where Sean Murphy is your number one catcher and hopefully can catch 125, 130 games, and the pitchers and catch, and he worked together, that's going to be the best because you, as a pitcher, want to look at that catcher. And Tanner Roark did it last year when he pitched to, uh, to Sean Murphy. He said, wow, this kid knows what he's doing. So that's the great thing about pitcher-catcher relationship. So if it means you warm up more pitchers in the spring training to make you more comfortable in the regular season, you do that. But the most important thing, and they, the players are allowed to do this now because they don't have to do much in the offseason to get ready for the next season. So I would assume that Sean Murphy, who we saw at FanFest, is going to be ready and uh, be able to catch as many as he wants to. All right, Fossey, take next week off, and we'll talk to you the week after. No, 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 no. You take the next week off. Where are you going? Uh, I'm taking the kids to D.C. and Philadelphia and New yeah. York, and we're going to do a little. We're going to do a little history trip. You know what? You you said that before. I just wanted to remind everybody exactly what you're doing because. That is a great trip to take. Your kids are going to love it. The twins, you're going to love it. And I think it's going to be tremendous. And plus, you can do a scouting report on the city because the A's go to Boston, Washington, and New York in one trip next year, or this, this coming year, late. I think it's in August. So you can do a scouting report on the cities. Oh, I get, I get, trust me. I got, I got restaurants lined <laughs> up. I'll have a scouting report for you. Tony, that's why I admire you because when you do travel, you don't just sit in the hotel room and go to the park. You go out and you see the sights. You did it in the off season with that other team, and now you're going to do it again. So uh, you have a great week, great trip. I'll talk to you the next time from Arizona, and I'll look forward to seeing you down there. Where we can uh, expand all of this. But Actually, I'm going to hey, I'm going to join you in Vegas and then go to Arizona right. with you. That's perfect. That's perfect. So you get to fly on the charter. You can you you and I can gamble. <laughs> you you and I can gamble all night. No, we're not. No, I don't do that, man. <laughs> hey, listen. Remember, I played. A, I played a summer in Reno, Nevada, and no, no. I saw a catcher get promoted from A ball to Triple A because of his gambling, and I said, "Nope, not me. I'm not going to do that." So you can do that. I'm going to do baseball, but it would be great to do that. Give Cody a week off also because he does a tremendous job. And I think you have Mark Gubazov following. You did. You already have Mad Dog on. We had Mad Dog on. We got Gooby on at three thirty. Yeah, good, good. Hey, you're you're a great producer, the commander, man. He gets them lined up, and you you do a great job once you get them. But Cody continues to do a great job. You do great, my friend. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a fun time with the family next week back east. Take care, Foss. 
All right, my friend. Take care. That's why Wednesdays on A's Cast Live is so much fun because we're always going to have Ray Fossey on. Before you know it, the start of the season is going to be here, and we'll have Fossey all the time because Fossey loves coming on A's Cast Live. Also a good friend of the program, a great guy, does a great job. He was a dominant pitcher back in the day, a World Series champion with the Kansas City Royals, and now does television for the Los Angeles Angels. Here is Mark Gubazaw. Gooby, how are you? What's going on, man? Oh, we got a lot. We got a lot going on, obviously. But first of all, uh, my guy, Mark Langston. How's Mark Langston doing in his recovery? He's he's doing great. Uh, we, I text him. We talk to each other quite a bit. Uh, feels completely one hundred percent normal. Pretty much felt that way as soon as he got back from uh, you know the hospital in Houston. Believe it or not, even though considered how crazy and challenging that was for him, that uh, everything seems to be going great, and he's going to be ready to go once the season starts. Yeah, him and Steve Sparks with the Astros, two of the best guys in the game, and uh, praying for him, no, no doubt about it. How has the offseason been for you? How's the offseason been for the Angels? Well, it's been really busy. I mean, they've, you know, starts with pretty much right off this, the start of the season when Joe Madden was hired as the manager, so... Uh, that was great to see, and uh, he brought right away. I mean, it's home for him. He was been part of the Angel organization for a million years, it seemed to be, and went out and had success in Tampa. Obviously, had success there in Chicago as well. But he was really, really excited to be back, and it's great to have that that energy that he always brings on a daily basis. And you can see it already just from the clips I've seen down in spring training and just sit through his meetings and stuff. How cool it is to uh, see that happening. Yeah, it just it, it seems like the it the the perfect fit. Yeah, you know, they needed that. Uh, you know, he's a kind of a blends old school and new school baseball together, and, and that's where the game has evolved into. And I think it's you're seeing that more and more around where you don't just lean one way and then, or just go completely the other way as far as the, the game of baseball, but you just kind of look for that happy medium in the middle and try to put out the best product on a daily basis, get the most out of your players every day. And and if you look at Joe and his track record for years and years, he's always been incredible as far as getting the most out of his players. Well, I got to tell you, when I heard that the Angels are getting Jock Peterson, I was like, oh, boy, that's a big-time bat coming to the Halos. The deal was called off, obviously, with all the stuff going on with the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, what Do you do? You still think? Because they, they've got too much. They're going to have to move people. they got too many guys there in L.A. Do you think they could be that that could be back on and, and, and that trade could happen? Yeah, I mean, when, when I first heard that deal, and, and that's the thing that's crazy, everyone wants to be the first one out with all the, the information, all the rumors. You know, I was already placing him in the lineup, you know, given that left-handed bat, power bat. You know, you have a lot of right-handed power in, in the lineup for the Angels, but not much as far as on a consistent basis on the left side other than, especially with Shohei Otani, you don't have Cole Calhoun around anymore. He's in Arizona. So you thought, well, that's a pretty good pitch. And Ross Stripling, when he's out there, and he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of innings under his belt each and every season, but when he's out there, he's got some pretty good numbers, especially strikeout numbers. That That's good depth in the starting rotation, and a great left-handed bat who can – even you know play a little first base as well and Jock Peterson, but that that fell apart. Don't really know the exact reason behind it, and you hear different you know varying reasons for it from both sides. But uh, you know you, you just you just move on as quick as possible. But the Dodgers do have a you know now that it's official with Price and, and Betts, and you know they had their press conference today. There's 42 men on that 40 man roster, so they have to make some sort of move. The Dodgers. 
a couple of them to create spots in that 40-man roster. So we'll see. They may re-engage as far as the conversation. Uh, as, of, as of this moment, I don't think there's any conversation or any dialogue going on between the Angels and the Dodgers, but I still would not be surprised if that indeed happened here before the season started. The star power in Southern California, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Bellinger, Betts. I mean, unbelievable what's going on down there. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think if you're any well, California in general, Oakland with their team itself and, and where they've progressed over the last couple of years, especially what they've done in the second half of the last couple of years. So California itself and San Diego down there with the Tease Jr., that kid is ridiculous. So a lot of talent, especially when you look in, in, in the L.A. area. Um, you know, they play each other four times again this upcoming season. The Angels have had really good success when you think about it. You know, everyone always talks about it, and the Dodgers have been great, but over the last, you know, three-plus years, the Angels have been 13-6 and six against the Dodgers. That's pretty impressive, including winning all four last year. But, I mean, that, that, that Dodger team is loaded. But, but then I look at the Angels lineup themselves, they're loaded. It's all come down to, you know, people staying healthy and, and how well starting staffs do. And, and the Angels made some additions to the rotation. And they they need to get some some guys in there to give you some length because their bullpen in the beginning of the year for the Angels was really really good, but they were worn out by the All Star break and guys like Ty Butcher who I thought at that point could have easily been an All Star was just all of a sudden the velocity had dropped and you start doubting yourself and you start struggling. He came back a little bit towards the end, but uh, these guys need some starters they can go to, when they go down to the bullpen they can go okay I got a pretty good chance I might have an off day today instead of every day getting up and getting in games. Yeah, that's been my number one question is a lot of people like the Angels. I'm just like, how are they going to get 27 outs? Yeah, you know, but I I look at Julio Tehran. He's, I mean, he's a guy, he's not going to wow you with velocity on his fastball. And that's always been the case. But he's been a pretty consistent winner. Boy, if I'm a pitcher, if I keep anything on the ground, that left side of the infield with Rendon and, and Simmons, that, that's going to be an out. And then you have, you know, you have Castro behind the plate now. He's got some power and he's a pretty good defensive catcher himself. You have the best player in the world out there in center. Uh, all indications are that Justin Upton looks incredible. He's in amazing shape. He wasn't even ready to go to start a spring training at all last year with his knee, and then he hurt his toe You know, the last one of the last spring training games in the freeway series against the Dodgers. So he was out for a long period of time. And you know, and everyone always should just keep an eye because everyone loves star players in, in the making, and Joe Adele is one of those guys that, he may be up there sooner now than, than we thought, because especially with that Jock Peterson deal, never does materialize. You might see Joe Adele up there a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah, you know, Atani's probably going to start pitching. Is it in May is when we think he's going to be back on the mound? Yeah, that's what they said, but it's funny. Today, and, and I've had, been able to have some pretty good conversations, and I get a good rapport with Shohei Otani. He goes, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be – because he's always going to agree with whatever plan they come up with, but he says, but I, I firmly believe I'll be – ready earlier and that was his case last year as well coming back so never doubt him he's got an incredible work ethic having him back in the rotation it's whether it's you know the once a week whatever day of the week that will be then all of a sudden you got a guy and Oakland A's fans remember him well and I know Matt Olson remembers him well his splitter and stuff how good that is and how firm his fastball then then you have a, a legit guy that you can count on especially when you get into games in September, because they're probably obviously going to limit innings and pitches there by starting them a little bit later than normal, that uh, it, 
the whole dynamics of the rotation changes when Shohei Otani is going to be available to pitch. I want this to be like Little League. I want him to play every game. I, I, I Put him out there. He's a young guy. He is truly one of the special talents we've seen in really baseball history. I, I, I hate the fact that, I, and I know they're going to give him these off days, but I want to see him play every day and even hit when he pitches. Yeah, I mean, he's, there's going to be, I think he'll have less off days this time around when he's back in the rotation uh, even even with the with the rules that are set in place right now, he's considered a two way player. So that you know they can carry thirteen other pitchers besides him on their roster, the twenty six man roster. And also, he's able to rehab, go down and throw in some rehab games, and still come back and play the very next day. And obviously, having a team close there by you know Angel Stadium will make that easier for him to be able to get back and forth like that. But he's gonna he'll pitch that once a week, and I, I would not be surprised to see him play at least four if not five days during the week as well. This will be maybe the one day after he pitches. It might be the only day you won't see him available. But I know he will be available the day before, too, even if it's a pinch hitting role. Well, the Astros' first series is going to be in Anaheim. Their second series is going to be here in Oakland. And, Gooby, I can tell you, being down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T this weekend, I followed Verlander for two holes, and I kept hearing, cheater, cheater. So if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, what do you think it's going to be like when you hit the road? Yeah, it's, everyone, they're loaded with talent, and they are. But anybody that's done anything, whether you're in sports or even on your regular normal job, if you have stress like that, it's never easy. You can try to say, oh, I can, you know, once I'm on that's where I'm, I'm comfortable in the baseball field or whatever your workplace, there's not going to be any comfort at all for that team. Yeah, we, we open up there in Houston, and then they have they open up, you know, they're our home opener when we get back. And I know there's tons of Angel, I mean, Dodgers and Yankee fans have already bought tickets just to get out for the sole purpose of booing them, you know, at, at our own stadium. So it, it's going to be crazy for them. It's not going to be easy just to go out there and play. It's going to be really hard for them. And everywhere they go, and I don't even think it's ever going to be like, you might you think, well, maybe in the beginning part of the year, then everyone will move on. But stuff keeps coming out every other day that I don't know if that's ever going to be the case where this whole season is going to be difficult. And Verlander, I mean, he, he's an ultimate competitor, and he's been great. But, you know, and then Zach Renke, he's, he's getting a little bit older himself. There, There's a lot of question marks. When you don't have Garrett Cole in there anymore, it's it's a different dynamic. So that's why I think when you look at Oakland, you look at the Angels, you look at Texas now, you know, they all got to be thinking the same thing. Hey, we got a shot before we're thinking, okay, they got another two or three year window before everyone can really make a run in them. But I, you know, Oakland's made a run in them the last couple of years, but still it's a little bit too deep of a team for a lot of different reasons. But uh, I think if you're in the, I still think it's the strongest division in baseball that I don't think it's a foregone conclusion anymore that the Astros are a lock. I don't think that's the case at all anymore. Yeah, and, you know, what do you make of all this, and do you like how baseball has handled all of this? Uh, I really have tried not to, you know, I I keep thinking, okay, I just love this game. I've I've always been a believer in this game, and, and, and I've always believed people were actually fairly good about being honest and being fair. And that, that's the thing I think the most, being fair to fellow competitors on, on a baseball field, that uh, it, it wasn't fair. And it's unfortunate because I, I know a lot of the people that has been you know let go as managers for different clubs now, from the Astros to the Red Sox, I've known them. And even with the Mets, I've known all those guys very, very well. 
that it, it's not right. It's not right at all. And I can understand the players today coming out over the last few days and even a few week, in the last few weeks where they're really going away. This is not fair at all. I mean, we're talking about players that, you know, may have been moved up and down from the majors to the minors because of bad numbers or, you know, fortunately enough, if all this stuff is true as far as all the, you know, the sign stealing and everything else, that no pitcher was severely hurt because he knew exactly what pitch was coming and he had a line drive back at him. That's the things I think about a lot because I've had I've been hit a lot. I got my leg broken with a line drive. I'm thinking if if somebody knew what I was throwing and it was and you know and and learned from a completely illegal way, that I'd be really upset about that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's going to be a long road for them. You know, it's Black History Month, and today we honored the great Ricky Henderson. What was it like for you going up against Ricky Henderson? One of my favorite human beings on the planet. Uh, Competed against him so often. Uh, I, I've been people have sent me numbers how many times I faced him. I faced him so many times. It's incredible. He's he's Mike Trout with just a little bit less power, you know, because he can disrupt the game. If he's on base, you got to worry about him stealing. You're going to throw more fastballs at the batter behind you. You're going to step off. You're going to be distracted so often that you're going to make a mistake. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, just go ahead and steal second and third to get it over with, and I'll try to get a strikeout after that. But he also, I remember one game, he set me up pretty good because he always would take that first pitch. He got me one game, too, and I remember just laughing at him, going around the bases. I said, well, that's the last time I'm going to throw him right down the middle of the plate. And then getting a chance to play with him my last year with the Angels and, and talking with him. He is so smart. You know, He knows everything about baseball. He is and I'm glad that the A's have him around a lot, and I get to see him every time we come into town to play the A's. He's incredibly smart. He knows the game. He's He knows every way to be successful, whether he's in, in the field, at the plate, or in the base pass. And his his knowledge and his ability to translate that into helping other players out is, is invaluable. And I, it's great to see him around and we're putting a uniform on because I think so many people just think of Ricky – you know, just being, you know, the way he is, you know, I'm the greatest of all time and all those things like that, you don't realize how smart he is and how much he knows about the game of baseball that he's a great guy to be around and a great guy to have a conversation with. You're never going to believe this. As we were getting ready for the show today and we're lining up all this Ricky Henderson stuff, we just found out he's finally just going into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame, and I'm like, He's not in that. He was in the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. How's he not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, that that's crazy because I mean, he's he's that's, that's his home and he, and he lets everyone know. And that's the beauty of it. He is so proud to be from there. And that that's one of the many things that I've always respected so much from him. He's proud of his roots and uh he's one of like I said he's one of the all-time great human beings I've ever been around in my entire life and I'm so proud to say he's a friend. And I'm happy he's able to get that, you know, another honor like that. But I'm surprised that wasn't a long, 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 long time ago that he was put in there at the Bay Area Hall of Fame. Well, you are the best, and I always appreciate the time. It means a lot to us here on A's Cast, and we'll see you down in Arizona. Sounds good, Chris. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I, I think as crazy as everything is right now in, uh, in the dark cloud in baseball with all this stuff going on with the sign ceiling, that it truly is. There's so many incredibly young talent, young incredibly talented players in the game right now this this baseball season is going to be a lot of fun and, and i think there's going to be a lot of surprises everyone's going to say well look at the dodgers look at the yankees but you know what at, at 
nobody thought the Washington Nationals were going to win it last year, that's for sure. And they uh, they proved if you pitch well, you pitch deep in the games, you catch the baseball, and you have clutch hits, you have a chance to win. Starting pitching's back in vogue. Yeah, I'm so happy with that because all the you know, all the so-called experts saying you know starting pitching and wins by our starters are so overrated. The teams that have won and teams that are there in the end have the best starting pitching. It's you know the, the Tampa Bay's always been a great story and and you know with our their opener and stuff, but they also have Blake Snell and, and Glasnow and those guys like that that are actually could start and dominate games too. So I'm glad that baseball realizes and, and understands that. From all the you know the talk from the outside, it's not it's not that important. Uh, you're seeing all the pitchers, relief pitchers right now, that are all completely worn out because how many times they've gotten up and in games because of lack of depth in starting rotations. Look at Lake Trinan, who was unreal for the A's a couple of years ago, one of the best seasons I've ever seen, and then then he was non-tender and he signs with the with the Dodgers. So I think he's got a chance to bounce back because they got some pretty good arms there, and the rotation will give him a breather on occasion. But that's that's important for your bullpen, knowing that you got starters are going to give you some length. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. We'll talk soon. Hi, Chris. Have a good one, man. Gooby. Love having him on during the season. Uh, you can definitely say friend of the program. And last but not least, he covers the Giants and also Major League Baseball for the San Jose Mercury News. We've got a lot to catch up with Kerry Crowley right here on A's Unfiltered. Well, you know, we always appreciate the time, and uh, you're off to an early start there down in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, Giants, I thought we're going to report on Monday, but it turns out that they're reporting Tuesday, new complex open, $50 million building with a new clubhouse, training room weight room and then uh, the first workout is Wednesday so uh, they're, they're getting under earlier than usual and the season starts earlier than usual we're up to like March 26th now Tony so uh, you know the baseball season is going to be over before October uh, if, if they keep this up where did they build this because obviously there's not a lot of land left there in Scottsdale Arizona is this uh, like one of their I, I know there's an area down the right field line is that where they did this yeah that's exactly where they did it, and that's really the only place they could put it. It's a 10,000-square-foot complex. They kind of tucked in. Uh, they, they took out a few parking spaces, from what I understand, and it's right in front of that back field at Scottsdale Stadium, so adjacent to the first baseline, and really there's no extra room there. So if they want to build, they have to tear other things down from this point moving forward. Yeah, I try and tell everybody, you know, because we're out in Mesa, the Cubs are out in Mesa, Padres are in Peoria. You know, there's 15 teams all over the place. But at the end of the day, there's only one place you need to end up, and that's downtown Scottsdale. (laughs) Exactly. You know, they do a bigger business in downtown Scottsdale than they do during the regular season when the team is bad at Oracle Park. I mean, you could go into the season where there's absolutely no hope like they did last year, and, you know, you're still selling $60 lawn seats on Saturday and Sunday at Scottsdale Stadium, whereas if there's no hope and it's July and August in, in Oracle Park, they're selling $6 tickets on StubHub. So the Giants are counting on all their fans coming down and enjoying the Scottsdale weather, the Scottsdale nightlife, and uh, it's hard to blame them. They've got a really good setup there. I could not believe my phone when it, you know, we, we now live in this world where if a move goes down, you're going to get notification from MLB app, ESPN's app, CBS Sports apps, NBC, <laughs> Bay Area and California. I mean, you're going to get it. And I just couldn't believe it. I kept seeing it. 
the Giants have signed Hunter Pence. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Why the hell would you, if you're in some type of rebuild, why are you, why are you signing Hunter Pence? So I figured this might be a strategy at the beginning of the offseason just because Farhan Zaidi loves platoon guys. He loves players who have extreme value against left-handers or right-handers, and he knows that you need a few uh, veterans to fill in some of those roles as the younger players come along, and if players have options, they'll spend time at AAA. So what this comes down to, Hunter Pence had a 327 average and a 1.015 OPS against left-handed pitchers last year. And so what this does for the Giants is if you stripped away the names of all the free agents and just put up the stats of guys and how they did against left-handed pitchers last year and figured who's going to sign for the least amount of money, who's going to take a one-year deal, the list is very short, and Hunter Pence's name is at the top of it when you do reveal the names. So he was going to be a good fit for this roster. Uh, it does surprise me that they were targeting a guy who will turn 37 in April just because I, I still thought that they were looking for younger players with more value who hadn't quite been exposed yet. But uh, I guess if you're looking for someone to play 60, 70, 80 games, probably no more than that, and have them around in your clubhouse, Hunter Pence is a guy that you want. Yeah, I understand all of that. But you're not beating the Dodgers. You're not going to no, get a wild no. card with this team. Farhan knows that. I, I, if, I, if I was a Giants fan... I would say to you, I want to see the young guys who can play and who cannot, and then we'll build off of that because I know that it'll be great opening day. You announce Hunter Pence, he's back. He arrives on a scooter, but he does not make you better two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. The Dodgers just traded for Mookie Betts, for God's sakes. <laughs> well, really, there, there's no one who's going to put them on that sort of a level with the Dodgers. And the big thing here is if he's playing more than 80 games, they've probably made a big mistake. They have probably uh, not developed the talent that they have in the Jalen Davis, Austin Slater, Chris Shaw guys who have kind of mastered AAA but need to come up and show what they can do in the big leagues. And they really had two open outfield spots to begin with, in center field and right field. And so they just wanted a platoon partner with Alex Dickerson. And uh, I, I guess that's why you don't go with a Yasiel Puig. You go with a Hunter Pence, uh, who's someone who is not going to take every day at bats and who's going to be an asset in the clubhouse. And, you know, they're, they're talking a lot about creating culture and can creating culture and a great one get you to the level the Dodgers is at or at? No, it, it absolutely can't. But at the same time, if you do feel compelled to go add a guy on a one-year deal and you don't want him to play every day, I guess this is where you end up. If I ever would have said Madison Bumgarner is going to be in Arizona and Yasiel Puig is going to be a giant, people would have said <laughs> you're out of your mind. That will never happen. You know, we found out uh, Commander Cody, he's, he had some buddies down at the Super Bowl, and they ran into Puig, and Puig told them, and they got a picture with him, the whole thing, and Puig said he was going to go uh, talk with the Giants, and he did go talk with the Giants. Now, he he's only 29 years old. He's in his prime. He makes sense. What have we heard about the Giants and Yasiel Puig? I think that Hunter Pence took the roster spot that they were looking to give to a corner outfielder. I, I don't think that they're going to be interested in Puig anymore because they do need to keep these roster spots open for younger players. You don't sign Pence if uh, you're going to add Puig, too. You've just got way too many guys to evaluate and not enough at-bats to give them. So, uh, to me, it would be just a, a huge reversal of course 
if they brought in two of these guys. I was even surprised that they brought in one just because they have so many guys to audition. But uh, two, two really isn't going to happen, nor should it. So you were at FanFest. You got to see the new changes to the ballpark. Bullpens are not in play anymore. It was always funny. They designed the ballpark and didn't even think about bullpens. But they're, <laughs> they, they now, I guess the kale garden is gone, so that's bad news for Hunter Pence. So you got the bullpens now uh, 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 over the wall, and they've moved the fences in. H- how does Oracle Park look? It looks like there's still a significant amount of struct construction to be done before opening day and it's it's still hard to see what the wall is going to look like because they're pulled way in right now so they're digging uh, where the new outfield wall is going to go so it's hard to get a real accurate look but to me the biggest change isn't going to come out in right center field it's going to come in dead center field where the Giants only have 399 feet out to center and they're bringing it in eight feet there so you're going to see 391 to dead center which is the second shortest distance in all of the major leagues. And I think that with the amount of balls we've seen where center fielders catch them at the wall or jump and make leaps at the wall uh, to catch them in in Oracle Park, we're going to see a lot more runs just based on where the center field fence is. I don't think the right center field triple valley uh, is going to be the big difference maker. So maybe that hurts Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford. But uh, I think the park is significantly better for right-handed hitters because of this. Yeah, right-handed power has definitely played. I mean, when you think about guys like Jeff Kent and Ellis Burks and Andres Galarraga and some guys that really could, because that was the – I mean, Bonds was the only guy hitting it into the bay, right? I mean, that was it back Mm -hmm. in the day. But you could, and now they're making it easier for right-handed hitters, maybe that'll be more attractive to free agents we'll see down the line. Now that, you know, we're we're getting close as as – Pitchers and catchers are reporting this week. We're going to be playing games before you know it. If you had to say, okay, Dodgers, no question, are the elite team. They've won the division seven straight years. They're the elite team. Number two now, when you look at what the Diamondbacks have done this offseason, I think the Padres, they've gotten better. Emilio Pagan, they just made the trade. Uh, Kirby Yates, they've got a nasty bullpen. Who would you say is the second best team in the division? I'd bet on the D-backs and not the Padres because every time we say a team has an elite bullpen at the beginning of the season, these guys get hurt or they don't perform relative to their career averages. It's just a lot easier to bet on a better lineup. And I do think that even though the Padres have uh, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis over there in San Diego, I think the D-backs one through eight have a better lineup. And uh, I think that their rotation altogether is a little bit stronger. And you can always kind of find your way into a bullpen, unless you were like the Washington Nationals for the first three months of the season last year. And even the Nationals proved it doesn't really matter that much, uh, as they still won the World Series once they stabilized things in August and September. So I'd, I'd pick the D-backs slightly, probably three or four wins ahead of the Padres right now. Yeah, you think about the American League this year. And with the scandals going on, I could tell you, being down at Pebble Beach this weekend and listening to people rag Justin Verlander, if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for these guys. Uh, So I don't know what's going to go on with Houston. We still know what's going to happen with Boston. You know, those are rough scenarios. So really what you got is you got the A's, you got the Yankees, you got the Twins, you got the Rays. So – uh, and there's a big underbelly of the American League. That's not the way in the National League. I don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, we don't know yet. I mean, they got to play, but 
there's probably 10 to 11 teams that could – they got to be going into spring saying, you know, we got a shot. The National League's not going to – as they like to say, it's going to be no day at the beach this year. And the Giants are not one of them. They're part of that group of three or four teams along with the Colorado Rockies that really doesn't have a shot entering it. But I agree, the National League's going to be really interesting – and, you know, you, talk, you look at the American League with the Red Sox and the Astros going under so much scandal. This is the year for the breakthrough for the A's or the Twins. I really believe it. With this young A's pitching staff coming up, and you look at Lazardo and Puck and all the talent that they have, and that Twins lineup just absolutely bashes. So I, I think that the teams that you see kind of outside of baseball top five that are kind of in that probably 6 to 12 or even 6 to 15 range, this is going to be a really fun season for those teams and those fans because teams like the Astros and the Red Sox that uh, are, are thought of as top five talent-wise will probably suffer uh, from a bit of the blowback that they'll face this year. You know, at our Fan Fest, I found out there is not Astros fatigue. Like, our fan, <laughs> our, our, our fan base is pissed. And, yeah, and as they should be. And, and, and same thing happened down at Dodgers Fan Fest. So I've talked a lot about it. Obviously, they're in our division. We're one of the teams that ha- – that we were one of the original teams to complain to Major League Baseball about this. I'm wondering when players start to show up, Giants players, they're not, they haven't been affected about this, but I wonder how they're going to feel. What do you think the feeling's going to be like that there in Scottsdale? Talk about the Astros. Uh, I think they'll probably be pretty removed from the situation. I I don't feel like the veterans in in Posey, Belt, Crawford, Longoria are going to say a whole lot about this because if they do, I I think their fans will revolt a little bit and say, well – what, what, you were never in this in 2017, 2018, 2019. There's no real reason to discuss this because the Giants have so many issues of their own uh, to figure out. And so I think they're going to be one of the few teams that really doesn't have to dissect it. And maybe they'll have some veteran leaders like, like Longoria and Samarja who just have been around the game for so long and are, are a bit more outspoken, address it, and address it in interesting ways. And I know Evan Longoria has talked about it a little bit on his Twitter account, but I think that they're one of the teams that really uh, doesn't quite have a place to be talking about it right now. Let's end on this. If you go on the Buster Posey timeline, a great college player coming into the big leagues, Joey Bart, if you go on Posey's timeline, Joey Bart would be coming up this season. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think is going to happen with Buster Posey and Joey Bart? This year, next year, how, how do you think this goes down? I think that you'll probably see Joey Bart up June, July. Uh, if, for the Giants, you probably don't want to wait until August. But uh, I, I think that we'll see a lot more of Posey at first base or we'll see a lot more of Bart at first base because uh, they can rest Posey, but they do want to have Bart in there and getting uh, every day at bats or close to every day at bats. And so it won't quite be like the Benji Molina Buster Posey situation where they felt like they had to trade Benji. I, I think that Buster can play enough first and – uh, you know, maybe maybe Belt becomes a trade candidate by the deadline if he has a good first half with the new fences coming in, uh, or he can play a bit of left field if uh, you know that they still have got some issues out there. So I think that when Joey Bart is ready, they will be ready to give him every day at bats. I don't think there's a question. It'll be Buster Posey who will probably lose a bit of playing time, but if you keep him fresh and you rotate him to first base every so often. Uh, I I think that this type of thing will work itself out for them. Great stuff as always, and I'll see you down in spring training in March.
Looking forward to it. Solid guest all around and all because of the commander, Commander Cody. We want to thank Chris Russo, Ray Fossey, Mark Gubazaw, and Kerry Crowley for coming on the program. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 